What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello and welcome to the 2023 college football season. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. I'm Ben, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben, and thank you all for joining us. For those of you new to the show, each episode, Ben and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insights. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Drew and I sample a very special cider from Glacial Till recap the Purdue game, raise a glass to Michigan State, and preview Nebraska's road game against the Spartans. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew, and this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Man, you are having a struggle over there <laughs> with so your not prepared with your this. microphone. Everyone can enjoy the little right. squeak squeaks of you cinching up the uh, the mic stand on your end. Yeah, well, I kept messing with my mic, like trying to adjust it to a point where it's like in the right position. But I never thought to adjust myself, <laughs> like like how I'm sitting in my posture. And so, anyways, you might hear some some weird, some weird sounds, some squeaks, and some adjustments in voice. You know, yeah, that's just that's just your artificial knees cool. <laughs> getting settled in over in the in the corner over there. Oh well, all right, I'm committed. I'm just gonna sit like this the rest of the way. Yeah, it's weird that your feet are above your head. I don't know why you're doing that, <laughs> but hey, whatever works best for you, I guess. Whatever whatever you got to do to get through this first we're, segment of the show. Yeah, I'm, we're in upside down world today because yeah. we're we've got a winning record at, at the end of October. So yeah. But you know who doesn't have a win at the end of October? <laughs> it's the season finale of Drew's postseason oh. baseball corner. I was laughing because I thought you were going to take a shot at like Colorado or something. No, oh, no, I could have done that, but you I'm sorry. Have, but you attacked a friend. You know, <laughs> you know, you know what's oh. the best part about um, the way that things like have shaked out for the World Series uh, with it being the Rangers and the Diamondbacks is I'm so uninvested now, yeah. but my my team growing up was the rangers i was a huge nolan ryan fan yeah uh and so like part of me is kind of like well i guess i've been watching baseball i might as well while my former like team quote unquote (laughs) is in so 
you you've yeah. gone through this long tedious season long ride this really it's been like a two decade ride as a Phillies fan it was uh, yeah it was 10 years of no playoff baseball yeah and and here I am just you know doop 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 <laughs> just jump right in actually I did um the night that they got knocked out it was either the night they got knocked out or the night before when they lost game 6 was the anniversary of them getting knocked out in 2012 against the Giants and you didn't see it coming and <laughs> I should have known <laughs> um the team that was in the World Series for the AL that year was the Texas Rangers yeah well yeah, they lost so they, they lost yeah the, the the Giants went on to win that one but yeah. it was just a it was just an interesting coincidence no Texas Texas lost uh, two years in a row actually I believe Okay, look they you. The, you do sound like a no, you sound I, like a bit of a fan. I am a fan. They lost, I think, to the Cardinals and to the Giants. So I was pretty yeah. excited about uh, Texas baseball back in the early twenty teens, and and uh, now I'm not, and now I am again. I guess you know, <laughs> true band. So here we go. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, bet, yeah. you bet. Have Have oh, you heard yeah. about this football team uh, in Colorado? I'm a big fan of them too. No, <laughs> fuck that. Ugh, that tastes gross. gross. Don't say that. Uh, so you, you're doing all right though. I'm yeah, I'm okay. I I recovered pretty quickly. I've um I think Nebraska's taught me a lot about how to like handle losses and I like I mean that seriously. Yeah. Um and just yeah, you just kind of you suffer through it for a minute and then you move on cuz you realize like it's out of your control. Um I got to enjoy like I did get to enjoy the ride. I got to enjoy it with my son and and my family and um it was fun while it lasted, and now there's another. There's next year. Like there really is. Like with with this team and with any almost any sport, there's always next year. Yeah. The only the only one that really gets me is World Cup. I'm a big Netherlands fan. Yeah. Anybody that watches World Cup, you know, it's only once every four years. Like sure. That those losses hurt way more than anything else. Right. Because you got to wait another four years. <laughs> four years. Yeah. And it's the diff- like with with the World Cup, you're not even guaranteed a spot in the World Cup. Yeah. So you've got to like play your way in. I don't know how any of that works. I don't think anyone knows how any of it's, that works. I don't even think FIFA knows. Yeah. No. They're just making shit up as they go. But it's because it's four years and because the life the lifespan of a you know an athlete's career is is pretty short. Yeah. Um, you don't really know what team you're necessarily gonna get unless you're like a juggernaut like Brazil or Germany. Um, like you said, yeah, you're just not guaranteed a spot. Um, you don't know if you're gonna actually have a good team. So anyway, so all that said I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I did not uh, text you, by the way. I let you I, text me. I appreciate that. Um, I, I took your words to heart I, when you're like, after a loss, don't fucking talk you know, to me. You know what? I've got a, a guy I work with um, who's a big Oklahoma fan. And uh, and he, he was also generally pretty kind about about um, not texting. But man, as soon as Oklahoma lost to Kansas, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I unloaded. Um a little bit on him just you know, yeah just to just for fun but well, also because at that time we were up 24 to nothing yeah um and so you know i was getting kind of like you know like sideways eyes like looking for other things to kind of like you know keep me engaged yeah so uh, taking not, shots at friends so, like yeah. it happens <laughs> exactly yeah it's normal <laughs> so i got a question for you are you someone who you know the, the the diamondbacks beat the phillies are you someone who then is going to root for the diamondbacks moving forward do you then root for the opposing team to beat the team that beat your team? Or do you just, are you just like, fuck, I don't really care anymore. Um, I get, I am yeah, more like, uh, I don't care anymore, but like, I still kind of care. Like if I see like an ad for like, eh, don't forget to watch the world series on Fox. I like fuck off. Like I get, I actually do get kind of oh, mad. Okay. Like I will mutter under my breath, like, fuck you. Like, um, yeah, I don't, I, I usually, if I'm going to cheer, I'll cheer against the team that knocks us out because I don't think it's, it's not like people are like, man, like, 
Diamondbacks won the World Series. Phillies must have been good. Like it's right. not nobody thinks that. Um, nobody remembers the teams that you beat along the way. Um, so yeah, I I always cheer against the team that knocks us out because I don't want them to be happy. They hurt me. No, they should. So they be. should be sad too. Those those Diamondbacks. Yeah. I'm so angry. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm so mad at of all, Yeah, it's honestly of all the teams that, that have ever uh, knocked the Phillies out of the playoffs, they're the one that I care least about. Like, they, they, they're the Diamondbacks. Like, whatever. Nobody <laughs> nobody thinks about them when they think of baseball. Right. Um, and honestly, like, I got nothing against their team. They played their brand of baseball, and they did it really well. And so, like, I, like, kudos to them. Like, they're actually, like, I, like, I actually had a little bit of respect for them and their, and their uh, coach, you know, just throughout the series. The yeah. way they handled themselves and the way that they they took care of business. Was, it's very, that's uh, very big of you to say. Yeah, I mean it though. It's like yeah, it's genuine. Okay. Anyway, I hope they fucking lose. <laughs> there it there is. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? You know who didn't lose yesterday? Which we don't need to get into the time space continuum thing again <laughs> oh, yeah. that we always find ourselves in. On Saturday, the Huskers they won their first three game win streak. Since 2016. Amazing. Went undefeated in the month of October for the first time in 22 years. So for that, I thought we got to open something special. We got to we gotta open a special bottle of something. And so I have a bottle of Cross-Eyed, which is a cider from Glacial Till. And we covered Glacial Till a little bit earlier in this season. And, and they knocked us out with, with their, their grapefruit cider. Um, this one is another special one though. This cross-eyed is a cider that's been bourbon barrel aged and then apple brandy has been added to the cider to kind of punch up some of those apple notes. And it comes in at a whopping 15%, which for a cider is kind of unheard of and unholy. Like it is, it is something <laughs> uh, made in dreams. And yeah. let me tell you, it's fantastic. Oh, I'm loving it. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um, what, are, what the, are some of your thoughts on it? The The bourbon comes through really strong on the nose, but then once you take take your drink, like like you said, like there's so much apple there. There's so much like sweetness and tartness. Um, there's no burn to this like whatsoever. This is this is like bourbon apple soda. It's incredible. But but not like overly. There's a good sweetness to this, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, ciders can can sometimes tiptoe into too sweet. This one still has that dryness in your mouth, but yeah, that bourbon, really heavy on the nose. There's like a caramely kind of roasty, peanutty, apple-y finish that's going on through this. This is this is dangerous stuff right here. Cross-eyed <laughs> right. makes sense for a name. 100%, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I was able to find this at the Omaha Farmer's Market, so they still have bottles available of this. This is one that you got to seek out, though. You go to a farmer's market or you have to go to Glacial Till to get this. They're not going to have this product out on the shelves at stores. But if you're a fan of of bourbon and cider and kind of an apple-y fall specialty drink, man, this is this is definitely one to to try, and it's it's definitely a good celebration cider. Yeah, good choice. Thanks for bringing it along. Yeah, you bet. So before we move on, guys, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer, ciders, and seltzers through promotion, education, and events. 
The Guild is proud of the delicious brews being put out by the brewing industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state of Nebraska. You can visit nebraska.beer and check out the Guild's new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer near you. All right, that feels like all the homework's kind of out of the way, right? We talked baseball. We talked about this cider that we get to celebrate with, and, and now we get to talk about the reason for the celebration. Yeah, which is a win, a, a very, a very a nice um, one. Yeah, a 31, 31 points scored in this win. Nebraska beats Purdue 31 to 14. Um, it wasn't an upset, but uh, Ryan Walters sure looks upset all the time <laughs> on the sideline. He does not seem like a happy person uh, in his press conferences while he's coaching. Um, just in general to Boy, maybe he's at Purdue. I was going to say, maybe, maybe winding up in, in West Lafayette is not, uh, a dream situation. Right. <laughs> he's that Jeff Brom tricked me. He made this place look fun. Oh man. I don't even know if Jeff Brom could have done that, but yeah. Yeah. I think there was a stretch when we recorded where I kept calling him John Brom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that's not his name now. Like, now, now that he's not anywhere in <laughs> Nebraska's Nebraska's realm. Um, so, Drew, let's start it off like we always do, uh, talking about diving right into Nebraska's offense and the way that the offense performed in this game. What are some of the first thoughts that pop into your head? Well, I mean, I, th- I mean, you obviously start with the the fumbles again. I think if you yeah. want to, if you want to kick things off in a negative light, I didn't say that. Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no point was I like. <laughs> um, you know that that continues obviously to be an issue. They had, they had three of them on offense, two were on. Uh, special teams, uh, but the th- they lost three of them on offense, and and so you know somehow they continue to I should say not somehow the defense continues to um, help mitigate those disasters, which is uh, which is a big plus because this is these are the things that like this has been here f- with Nebraska for years now, right? These these issues holding onto the ball, um, we're finally seeing a team that is navigating through them. They found they found something to lean on. Um, they found a strength of their own team to lean on when, when things get hard. Um, so I think that like as bad as it is holding onto the football has been, um, we've seen improvement in how they respond. So yeah. there's, there's the positive to that one. Um, and then also just the, the absurd amount of injuries, um, that this team is dealing with, uh, you know, continuing to find guys, you know, guys along the offensive line who are stepping in. Um, we don't see incredible drop off there. You know, they, they continue to figure it out and, and, um, and then in the receiving room, in the running back room, um, you know, seeing, seeing freshmen like freshmen like Jalen Lloyd, um, Malachi Coleman, we saw some of Jaden Doss this game too, Emmett Johnson, uh, taking on lead running back duties. Like we're, we're seeing guys stepping into these roles unexpectedly very early in their career uh, you know, st- struggling definitely, but still somehow managing to make plays when um when Sat dials up a good one, um or just struggling through all of their mistakes and growing and learning, um and doing just enough to win these games. Yeah, and so this was just another example of of that. I think um, you know, I I think that a lot of these teams in the in the Big Ten West, especially, but just throughout football, are, are dealing with similar issues. A lot of them are dealing with injuries, you know, across the border, or maybe some struggles. Um, but Nebraska is just 
again, found a way to figure it out. And I think that starts with with Matt Rule, uh, leadership up top and that trickling down throughout the team. Yeah, it's so it's so refreshing. And, and I don't mean this just as a jab against Nebraska, but just in general to kind of have the coach speech and the coach speak, have it have it be honest in a sense. You know, when he talks about how, hey, we're next man up is is a real thing here because you never know when your number is going to be called. I'm walking guy, by guys in the hallway saying, hey, you're on punt return next. You know, like be ready, always be ready. And they started talking about that. We mentioned this uh, last week where they started talking about that in the in the preseason. They were telling guys like scout team is not meant to be fucked around on. It's it's a place for you to grow because the better you play, the better your team plays, the better your team prepares, but also the more ready you are when your number is called. So don't take any of this lightly. And when you have guys like Lloyd and Doss and, and Coleman going in and as as freshmen making huge game-changing plays, not just, you know, a little dink and dunk pass here, but like these guys are secret weapons that we have and we're able to use them in key plays where we need this to work because we may only have one shot at a speed option, you know, play action pass, and yet these guys nail it. You know, they're yeah. ready when their number is called. And we're, we're seeing all the positive of that right now um, from kind of like a very, in its infancy, I should say. Like we're, we're seeing the beginnings of these positive impacts. But when you look at a staff who, you know, in year two and in year three, as they continue to develop these guys, how this offense is going to be able to continue to evolve. Uh, because I still don't think that the product that we're seeing on the field is their ideal. I don't think I'm crazy in saying that. No, not at all. Um, I think that they'd like to be a more power run team, and they haven't developed into that yet. We're seeing hints of it. We're seeing them try and close games out that way. Uh, they're they're working towards that as part of their game plan. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's so much fun to see a guy run out on the field, make a play, and then have you have to look at their number and go, wait, who was that? Yeah, be, well, and and not not out of you know, injury, but just because these guys have developed and earned that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And rule has been true to his word about, like you said about, um, you know, if you, if you show up at practice and you perform there, you're going to get a shot on the field. And he even acknowledged that he, in the, in his post game press conference, he even said, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job identifying these guys early on and getting enough guys reps and play time in games because week in and week out, we're seeing, you know, uh, guys pop off, you know, in their first game or, um, or their first start. And so, uh, that is definitely, it's reassuring to see, um, if you're bought into Matt rule as, as, you know, as the guy that's going to turn this thing around, it's, that's what you want to see. Um, and you're seeing it, I think pretty early on relative to how he's developed teams in the past. Yeah. Um, so that's been good. And then, um, as far as what you said is, is, you know, with, yeah, with what they want to do on offense, um, and there's, I, I know we kind of like, we, you asked me like, what did I think of the offense here against Purdue? And it's, I kind of blew it up into a bigger thing, but I think that when you're looking at this, this game and, and really any game this year, uh, especially during this win streak, like you have to keep perspective about like what's going on with this team, um, in terms of like who they have available to play for them. Um, they can't, they can't do what they want to do. Like they, if they want to do a power, their power run game, they want to bring in a, a, a an extra offensive lineman or two, and they don't have those bodies. Right. They just don't have those right. bodies. When it's fourth and one, they're lining up in the shotgun because they they don't have their 
their power run package available. Sure. Necessarily. Um, and you don't want to just pop in a true freshman for one play. Um, you know, and, and, yet. and not yet because but, next but, week we got four games left. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you got to keep in mind the, the, the red shirt situation. They're already going to burn red shirts. Like, um, you know, one of the guys like Jaden Doss, he, that, this was his third game of the year. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to just play him one more game. I don't think they have that option. Yeah. You know, and, and so same with, with, uh, Jalen Lloyd and like, and these guys, like they've, I think they've shown that they, that they can, you know, play now. Um, but, but again, I think that the rule probably will be burning a few more red shirts than he would have wanted or anticipated to begin the year. And that's just, and that's just out of his hands. And so, especially with a, a position like the offensive line where, um, you know, long-term development really is key to, to, um, fully developing these guys, um, uh, the, the, the fewer you play now, the better. He's he said, too, in, in multiple press conferences where he said, I will never sacrifice a player's development to burn a red shirt. And so when he's doing that, he's calling upon the guys who he knows are ready and who he knows, you know what, by the time that they are done with their career here, they will be the player they want to be. And probably then some, because I think some of these guys, he's having to untap their potential. You know, you might have some guys who come in, and I'm sure every every player that plays Division One you know, college football, not all of them think I'm going to go to the NFL, but they think I'm going to be the best version of myself here. And I think there's probably some guys that, you know, ask, ask anyone who's probably played under rule and, and gone on to the next level, if they really thought it was an option for them until they met with him and, and worked with his coaching staff. Uh, but he really seems to be able to just grow these guys in, into truly special players and knowing that he's never, like he says, going to sacrifice an individual player's development um, to burn that red shirt. It, it it excites me seeing these young guys in because I know that like there's going to be a focus on them. There's going to be a growth that the promises made are going to be promises delivered for them, which is what we we should want for college athletics and for college athletes. We we want them to come to our institution and and get what they were promised um, because that reflects on our team and that reflects on our state and that reflects on you know us as fans to be like no we we want you here because we believe in what what we can do for you. Um, we also like that when you come here and you play, well, we win too, you know, like that's fun too. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think there's a, a deep sense of pride and, and not just in Nebraska, but you ask any fan of, of an institution or, or people who really believe in, in um, college athletics as a building block uh, for these young men and women who, who play different college sports. And uh, I think that's a huge part of it. That's why it's, I, I have a bigger passion for it than professional sports. Because like it's it's not just a paycheck, it's a paycheck now. Fortunately, that also comes with development and life skills and these opportunities, um, and 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 it's just nice to have a head coach that embodies that too. Yeah, and if <laughs> since we brought up Colorado earlier, I'll bring him up again. Um, I don't know if you watched any of like Deion Sanders his his press conference. You know, there. I, I you, heard a few things fo- going yeah. around. Uh, I I don't actively seek out Colorado unless someone asks me about them, my favorite thing to say is, I don't think they got a winnable game left on their schedule. <laughs> it's true. I, th- um, I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. I, I largely have checked. Like I'm, I'm, I'm past that, right? Like we, we played and we lost. Um, the, they had their little downfall and so now it's like, okay, like the, like things have gotten set right. And I've, I've primarily lost interest, but I still do have like from all my like, searches and like you know watching all this stuff early on in the season like i still get this stuff popped up at yeah, me yeah you, so, you fucked yeah, your algorithm yeah. up man <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad 
Um, but yeah, he he Dion essentially like threw his entire offensive line under the bus and said, yeah, they're not talented enough. Next year, I'm gonna bring in new guys, and that's how we're gonna fix this thing. And so, you know, if that's like if that's the approach you want to take, a, I don't think you can continuously do that with transfer rules. Um, but b, like it's that's such a that's such it's it's the antithesis of what you're saying. It's right. just it's again, it's just so seedy to me. Um, that anybody can look at, at at college football players or college athletes in such a way. College they're just a- so expendable. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah, and I and mean, and you as a coach like that, your job is to like yeah, you your job is to yes win, but be to win by you know developing and teaching and leading uh, young people <laughs> like to, yeah. to you know, and so to just to just expend with all that um, so negligently uh, yeah like i said it's just gross but it it makes me further appreciate um what rule is doing here and just and just what he embodies as a as a person i i'm i'm gonna give you so much credit um thanks be, you're welcome thank you because I, I i've had such a hard time um putting words to the frustration i have with the colorado situation and and i i think you saying you know Treating players as expendable things is exactly it. I mean, that's that's exactly what it like from from the minute. And I don't want this to be a fucking Colorado bashing episode. That's right. They, Purdue and Colorado were the same color, so we're close enough. And Walters played yes. for <laughs> Colorado, did, yeah. as yep. did his dad, and and he said in his presser that uh, that he hates the Nebraska and he hates the color. I have a thing on that too that I okay. I'll bring up to you, but that 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 to me matters so much. I. I was talking to someone. I was at down at a tailgate yesterday for the game down down at Memorial Stadium. I didn't go to the game. I was outside the game, and someone came up to me and was talking about how they had sideline passes uh, to the Northwestern game. And I I said, "Well, that's awesome." I said, "I can only imagine how fun it would be to be sideline uh, for a game or for warmups or anything like that." And we talked about the Iowa game last year that we were at, um, and how the Heroes Trophy was handed to us. And, and they were asking me like, how heavy was the trophy? I was like, I don't know. Cause I, pa- I didn't, I don't, I didn't want the trophy. Like I wanted to celebrate with Garrett Nelson handing me the trophy and Isaac Gifford coming up and running up and, you know, patting these guys and like being a part of that celebration, hearing Ty Robinson yell at Iowa fans. And, you know, like <laughs> I wanted to be a part of that because like that to me is what is so special about college sports is that these aren't expendable people. These are young men. These are, these are, I mean, like I think about me now and me at like 18 to 22 and I was a child back then <laughs> you know and they're and they're to, to treat someone like that poorly is is just that's what hurts yeah right and so it's it it feels so good and that's that's to me that's where I bought in with Matt Rule so much is that he really stands behind wanting to develop uh, and create a better situation for these kids in their life in any any way shape or form than when they when they first walked into when they last walk out, like he cares about that. And to use that as a means to getting two wins. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just, it just means more like it, 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 it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. The wins are more valuable. They really are. And to do it with a roster that looks like this in an offense where it's, who's going to be starting where any given Saturday and to still go out there and play with pride and aggression and be physical and put it all on the line and like have the message just be, I just, just want them to go out and play. Yeah. Just go play. Yeah. And to, to not be worried about 
the wins, the losses, the whatever, just go play. Good, great teams play. Yeah, and then the results follow, and they're and and they're getting that lesson right now this season. Um, and I know a lot of people will point to, uh, you know, the schedule and and the teams that you know th- three game win streak is is great no matter what, in my opinion. Um, regardless of who it is you're playing against, and you you can look at the Big Ten West like any one of these three teams could have come up and beat us. Yeah, these past few weeks, um, you know, we we saw Northwestern beat Maryland this Crazy. week, which fucking is fucking nuts. insane, right? Like. <laughs> It's so it's 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 so there's so much um, chaos in this division in this league and in this goddamn right there is oh I love it (laughs) I love it when it's not Nebraska involved Um, but so you you know you just you see that and and you coupled like just the unpredictability of the sport along with uh, you know all all the adversity that Nebraska is going through still being first year head coach and then and then the the mounting pressure that i imagine there has to be um as they're nearing six wins this year like they all know what's at stake yeah um it's and it's not just for the fan base in the school like it's for them a lot of these guys have been in this program and had nothing but losing seasons and have been through like been through the ringer in a lot of these games and coming out with a loss and so you know it like they they still have four games to get through and they still have four very tough opponents and um, you know, conceivably you go 0-4 and, 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 you know, it's it's still an overall successful season and it's not so surprising that you lose these games. But, like, you know, it's right there, man. Like, I don't know, it's right there for them. Um, how they how they manage things going forward will be interesting. I don't know. I trust Rule to, to get them through it and to, to keep their perspective on, again, just going out and playing just, you know, one one step at a time. The, the thing that I loved from from his presser after the game uh, last night um, was when when he said someone in the hallway passed and said, just one more win, coach, just one more win. And he goes, I don't want one more. You just want one more? I want a lot more. And and to me, it's like, okay, so if it doesn't come this weekend, this Saturday against Michigan State, I know they're still going to fight tooth and nail to get it done. And and so, like, as, as much as I want it for the fan base, for the team – for the coaches, for the university, for the development opportunities it provides with those extra practices, like all of that coming into play. It's it's such a, a monumental thing. But Matt Rule's always so good of being like, okay, that's great. You had your celebration. I'm going to bring you some perspective now. This season is a win already. Like we did something um, that no other team uh, has done since 2016. We won three in a row. Like that's that to me, if you would have said that Nebraska's going to have a three-game win streak, I would have been like, done, sold. This sounds like a great season. Yeah. Because we just haven't been there yet. And so like these building blocks that are being laid, um, and, and they're not being laid by outstretched arms, right? They're being placed one at a time. Excuse me. <clears throat> that makes for good radio. <laughs> um, they're, being, they're being laid, you know, right in front of your feet as opposed to trying to go too far and then work your way back. The road is being laid as they are walking on it. Uh, and And that kind of development and and for him to be able to stay just in that mode when it could be so easy to be like we fucking did something that nobody you know <laughs> is is just so impressive and any doubts that i had as far as the developmental abilities or whether this was the right guy i mean it's it's i do remember you being very I, anti-rule you were just like this this guy this guy okay come on no <laughs> I wasn't as bought in as you were. Your enthusiasm, but you were you were taking a more, a much more measured. I approach. wonder why. I wonder why <laughs> I, 
I sat there going like I still feel like 2016 was only four years ago, but it's been seven seasons yeah. since we've gotten a three game win streak. That's it's been insane. 22 years since we've won all of our games in October. Yeah. Like those are insane things. That's hard to wrap my head around. So what else did you like about the offense? Anyway. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I was going to actually bring yeah. it back to that, to your point, right. Of, of the fumbles. Like this is why we're able to overcome fumbles. Everything we just said is because like the fumble is only, it's one building block and we're going to go out and we're going to lay the next one, right? We're going to keep paving the road. We're not going to stop. And so a fumble is, is just a fumble. This team against Minnesota and Colorado, the fumbles were <clears throat> life altering because they didn't know any better. But they've now since learned, and I think more guys are bought in to where fumbles just a fumble. The fumble is an opportunity for our defense to go on the field, <laughs> right? Fumbles have mistakes happen. Like those things all happen throughout the game. There's always the even even a team that goes undefeated and wins the national title. Like they they fucked up. They fu- yeah they fucked up along the way a lot. Um, they just they just responded appropriately. Yeah, enough times to win enough games. Um, yeah, and so that's that's where we're at, and so. That that was that was honestly like that's how I was looking at this offense following this game. It was very very big picture type stuff. It wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't like wallowing in the like, what did they fucking go for it on fourth and one instead of like that? Like, yeah, that was they should have punted it. No, Prohaska should have touched that guy who well they who jumped again, the line. That's a, yeah, know? that's a learning. That's a learning. Like they should have they should have gotten the offsides originally. They didn't. They got it on the punt. Nothing. That's the thing. <laughs> How nothing, weird was that? That sequence? was so. That was a weird sequence. But like nothing changed, right? Like nothing changed from, hey, we're gonna. It's fourth and one. We're gonna try to snap them off. And if we don't, we take the delay game. We punt. Okay. Well, you're back to fourth and one. Like, if you want to, again to try to snap them off sides, I guess try that. Otherwise, just fucking punt the ball. Yeah. Like no, nothing else changed other than like a couple of weird, yeah, weird penalty type plays, but. Um, so like that was weird, but like, but again, like a, a, it's a learning opportunity. It didn't, it didn't completely, um, it didn't completely ruin this team. So you don't have to look at it that way. You don't have to like, look at, you don't have to look at, at Jeff Sims coming in while, while Harburg is injured. With and, a bloody mouth. With a bloody mouth. Yeah. Which sounds terrible. It does sound terrible. But like, but the, like, so like rule addressed all these issues, um, after the game, he talked about like, hey, Harburg needs to learn when to take a hit and when to throw a ball away. Yeah, um, and even pointed out that Hudson Card was doing that on the other side for the most part. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 they and they talked about uh, yeah, just just the I don't know, just oh. the opportunity to learn in those those situations. So let's let's then you know hold hold a mirror then up between what Rule said and what Dion said about getting rid of his offensive line. Like that's the difference, right? Like that's that's where you buy in is I can I can critique my team. I can just do it in a way where it's we're gonna work on this and improve it. I'm not gonna just fucking get rid of you. It's own it's it's just ownership and responsibility. It's yeah. a responsibility like, for your players. I can say that. I'm not I'm not saying anything Harburg doesn't know. Yeah. I'm I we're gonna teach him. He doesn't wanna get fucking popped in the mouth like that. <laughs> I don't if, uh, he, if the, I mean he does kinda wanna get hit. <laughs> yeah, but, but not like that. Yeah. I, I understand nothing about targeting after seeing Oh, dude, I don't this, fucking under... Yeah. Like, that, I don't know how... They were like, that was such a great hit. And I'm like, that... Like, I feel like he hit him with the crown underneath the helmet somehow. Like, that's... He was targeting his chin. Yeah. And I then the other... get that. The other targeting call that was reviewed and then wasn't a thing, apparently. I mean, there there were a couple of 
tough stuff uh, from the officiating crew on there. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so other individual performances, specifics from the game, or do you want to just fucking <laughs> <laughs> go? Though so I will say the last thing that I will say that that I that I enjoyed was that they did do. Oh, they had that late, the last touchdown drive. They ran the ball six times in a row to score the touchdown. Yeah. And they handed it off five times to Emmett Johnson. I think Harburg only ran once um, to to see them, um, again, understanding the situation where they're, they're lacking a lot on offensive line in terms of just bodies. They're not able to necessarily do their game plan the whole way, but they did say, hey, when we get into these situations late in the game, we do want to be the team that's going to run it down your throat and put the game away. And in this situation, they managed to do that. How good did Emmett Johnson look this week? He looked wonderful. So nice to yeah. see a, a running back kind of just take ownership of that role, right? Rule talks about that a lot, where he's like, I don't want stuff to try and come to this team. I want guys who are going out there to take it. And Johnson, the past two weeks, um, I think has ran 72 and 74 yards on 12 carries um, uh, in, in Northwestern and in the Purdue wins. And he's just looked so sharp, makes a quick cut, gets upfield. Uh, I love seeing covering up the ball. I think every guy who crossed the goal line except for Fedoni um, on the offensive side, like they covered the ball when they ran past the goal line, which was a, a I don't know, it was funny. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> that they're, like that was their, both of them were like, all right, we're going to make sure we, because you know, smart. some teams like they, they put the ball, they hold it out and it's like, we haven't earned that right yet. Some guys high five their way across. Which the- is also amazing. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought Emmett Johnson had a great game. Um, uh, Fedoni had a nice touchdown catch. Um, I, I, I'm in a weird camp, I guess. I don't hate Satterfield's play calling. I think he, I think it's tough to judge a guy when, um, the team fumbles like 17 times in a game. And, it's, and, you, it's and you've got three of your day one starters still in the game. Yeah. Like, like. He's he's doing what he can with what he has. Not to say you can't be critical and you can't you know nitpick and improve. Right, sure, definitely. But <laughs> it's hard it's hard to know uh, when we talked about it before. What's his standard? Like, what's his baseline? Um, what's the actual identity of this thing? Um, I would say for for all this shit again, like just it's the same as as the players. Like the players are doing what they need to do, making the best of a bad situation. And I think Satterfield is doing the same thing. I think he's making the best of a very difficult situation. Yeah, like they're they're winning games, and they and I know what seven of these points came on the special teams, but like they scored thirty one points this game. Yeah, you know, and 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 again, late in the game, he he went full on hand hand the ball off, just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off over in a game where all we saw were these read option option plays where where Harburg was was holding it and taking licks. Yeah. And so they get, yeah, it's, he's, I think he's doing a fine job. Yeah. And I think, and I think, yeah, we're, we're seeing him make play calls where he's either um, doing it with a crutch or he's doing it with a, with an eye on the future thinking I need to get these guys reps doing this, these plays in this situation so that two years from now it's going to pay off. Yeah. I, I agree with uh, your point, which was my point. You're let that I, said take it. In the air. I said it. Yep. I said it in many more words. You did. Um, if we're going to talk about Nebraska's offense, I think it's only fair to talk about Purdue's defense. Uh, number four and number five on that defense. Jenkins and Scourton. Goodness gracious, are they good football players? Yep. Those are two guys that uh, if they enter the portal, rule should pick them up because <laughs> man, do they, they, 
they play football. They were they were dominating that line, and that's not surprising. It was no. they they do that against everybody. Um, the other guy on their defense, uh, their safety Tiananmen. Yeah, he's a true freshman. He's their leading tackler. He he had a ton of really great plays. A very um, very high it, football IQ on Tiananmen. Yeah, pulling balls out, big hits. He's from a football family, um, and he did a really good job. His his main focus was to just contain Harburg. Yeah. Um, and, and when Nebraska was running Harburg as much as they were in this game, I thought he did a really good job and, and yeah, like you said, yeah, there should be kudos there. There's, I, I give, I give big kudos. I mean, it was not a 31 points. If, if you were to go through and watch this game, I mean, the way that Purdue's defense was playing so aggressively, I mean, Nebraska clearly had to take their shots when the opportunity was there and they capitalized on them which is something that uh, Purdue's offense wasn't able to do. There was there was stuff out there for, for their offense to go get, yeah. and they just they didn't make the plays. But I thought that Purdue's defense um, played much more aggressive than I anticipated them playing um, with a fervor that was that was exciting to watch because like there were real hits to be had out there. Like They were playing real football, uh, but nothing made me happier when Emmett Johnson lowered the boom on four and just threw him off. Uh, running down the sideline and that guy went like ass up in the air like just <laughs> his arms were splayed out like a starfish and he was just the, the announcers were like oh four really laid the wood on that one and the other guy's like i'm pretty sure i think it, i think that was the point where the commentator said something about wood on wood and it, yeah. yeah it got, it got weird yeah it got they weird. also yeah. they also called um what did they they called Purdue's punter a chunky lob wedge and i <laughs> And I, I made a mental note of that. I said, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that. Because some days I feel like a chunky lob wedge. <laughs> but he he kicked a punt that went maybe like 20 yards. And they're like, oh, that looked like he pulled a chunky lob. It's <laughs> like, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's so, good. Uh, so Nebraska's defense. There's yeah. a little to talk about here. No kidding. Uh, yeah, another outstanding performance. Um, under 200 total yards for Purdue. 99 passes. How, how many of them were on Jeff Sims's fumble? Do they, do they count those <laughs> yards? No, no, um, they count those points, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, they, they, they held this, this passing attack to three yards per pass attempt. Um, I know that the weather played a big part of it with, you know, cold hands, strong winds. There were, there were a few that Purdue should have had that they dropped. Their Miller had a Miller. rough game. Uh, yeah. he, he typically is much more reliable than that, um, as that receiving tight end and, um, uh, there was it was it was one of those things where I was kind of getting frustrated watching, thinking at any point he he could turn things around and, and mm-hmm. start to really dice up because uh, he does a great job working in space to find himself some openings and and Card was delivering the ball. They just like you said, cold hands couldn't connect. Yeah, yeah, and so just a it was a it was a tough weather day. It was not conducive to I think what Purdue really likes to do on offense, and so that played into Nebraska's favor. But um, you know, Nebraska also did what they needed to do. You know, I think on the whole, I think this was a this was a, a strong defensive performance because this is a good defense, not just that they weren't just lucky. Yeah, um, they just there were just a few here and there that were, but um, they, yeah, they only allowed seven points. They allowed it on yeah, that card through to uh, whatever that receiver. I don't yeah, know they uh, is it Dixon Veal? Yeah, something like that. Dixon Veal. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I think that's it illegal was... in most states. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So it was really, a great catch. Really by great. the way, like yeah. he he made he, a great catch. It was a great ball. Yeah, they both worked well on that one. Like you can you can see the potential 
that Purdue's offense has. Mm-hmm. And that's that to me is the is the scary thing for this team maybe moving forward. If if Ryan Walters gets the defense going the way they need to get going and can can put an offense together that is an air raid offense, he's Purdue's always kind of been the school that is building themselves to be more like a Big Ten East team. And and I think that's why they have so many upsets historically against Big East teams and, and high ranking Big East teams is because they have the skill set and the players and the personnel and the schemes to match up well there. But when you're in a Big Ten West showdown when it's windy and cold and stuff like that and they don't have the ability to adapt, that's that's when it's like if we're off today, we're off today. Yeah, they didn't they never could get the running game going, um, really at all. I know, you know, Maccabee had a few decent runs, but he also had that fumble. Um, Tyrone Tracy never really got anything going. They tried to feed him. Downing was another one. He got a couple carries and couldn't do anything. And then, um, and then Hudson Card is not a running quarterback. They had him running a lot, and, but they they had him scrambling a lot. But you could see Nebraska's defense was leaving the middle of the field wide open for him. They gave him plenty of running lanes, um, and and were just so tight on coverage so often. Um, you know, Hudson would, would, he'd take it every once in a while and he would, he would take what they gave him. But, um, but on the whole, I don't think they felt very threatened by his legs. Um, no, it's because he throws so with that, his arms. It's <laughs> <laughs> I got him. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, and so I think that, I think that being able to, to game plan around a, a quarterback that you're not necessarily threatened by, um, running the ball definitely helped out too in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, stopping their their pass play yeah so um that was good um how much fun is tommy hill i love tommy hill i so i was thinking about this uh my sunday mornings i go grocery shopping and that's kind of my time to like reflect and think about certain things um as far as like what we're going to talk about on the podcast and stuff like that and tommy hill was kind of a constant thought defensively and and he is to me kind of the manifestation of what rule wants to achieve He's a, a player willing to go out and play offense, defense, special teams. He's a guy that loves the opportunity every time he's out on the field. He was a, a highly touted guy when they brought him in uh, in Frost staff, and we were looking forward to really seeing him explode, and things didn't work out. There's a whole rumor list of reasons why it didn't work out for Tommy Hill uh, under Frost staff. But then Matt Rule's team comes in here and and kind of figures this guy out, and he's he's an all-star. Yeah. I mean, he, he, and, and not just that, but like the, the joy he brings to the game too. He's one of those players that you, you obviously you actively root for your whole team, but like when Tommy Hill makes a play, like you get warmer inside. Cause you're like, that's Tommy. Like that's my guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so for him to, to have multiple interceptions, throw a high five running <laughs> down the field. I mean, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's the joy of, of playing coming out. Right. Yeah. And I, and I know. I know that um, you know Rule talked about it too afterwards and said oh, he didn't know he didn't know about it until after the game yeah. and he said he's not a big fan of showboating but he did acknowledge like hey like I want my guys to have fun yeah um, and he's he's talked about that a little bit before and so like I, I don't that was not showboating to me that was like, celebrating that was yeah that was absolute that was just like yeah this is just um, a cath- probably a cathartic experience for these guys you for know both and of just them. in the moment yeah. and so. Um, yeah, for, for that to happen, like that was, um, that's like, that's one of the, probably one of those like lasting images that'll, that'll stick with you after the season, regardless of how things shake out. Um, I, I hope in the GBR rewind that someone got that on film, like real close. 
Oh yeah. That like there's a nice slow motion video of them like <laughs> almost making a good high five and then trying to go <laughs> for a second. Like it'd be showboating. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the thing that I'll, that I'll say about about that. There's going to be a lot of people who um maybe go I don't like that. I don't want that to be my team. And to those people I say shut up. Like let this team have like you said, they're joy. They're fun. Like let them have fun playing football. Yeah, they weren't. They were not. It's not. It was between. If, it was between right. them. If they were waving to the Purdue sideline as they were running by, yeah, I wouldn't like that either. But the fact yeah. that like it's two teammates celebrating a big play, you can maybe wait till the play's over. But the fact that you <laughs> do it mid play, I loved it. And what it what it did too uh, is it made me think back of when. Uh, J.J. McCarthy kissed his girlfriend on the sideline during the Michigan game. Oh, yeah. That I, was, went, I went, you know what? It's the same damn thing. Yeah. You know? So I, I'll, I'll give a little bit of slack on, on the Michigan thing with J.J. McCarthy because, like, yeah, when it is my own team, it feels pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. I understand that you wanted to kiss your girlfriend. <laughs> you could have waited till the game ended, but you didn't, and it's fine. But the high five was better. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. other individual performances. Gosh, um, would you rather be sacked by Ty Robinson or Nate <laughs> or Nash? Excuse me. Nash, yeah, neither because or just both at the same time and just put me out of my misery. <laughs> just end it right there. Um, no, any time that uh, Ty Robinson was running down Hudson Card, Hudson Card could not throw that ball away fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> like he was like, I do not want to go through whatever Harburg's going through. That would be yeah, a ter- that would be a terrifying experience. And I and and what I love about Robinson too is like he knows full well what his abilities are and I I always I love seeing the moment where his his body just I think instinctually calculates his angle. Like he always knows where I need to be to get this guy cuz he doesn't just run a straight line. You'll see him break through and then he'll take off like upfield as a as a quarterback. Like it's just smart ball playing. Um it's not all about the sack it's about containing the quarterback and it's about um doing what i need to do in my part so that the entire team succeeds the same reason that you take a knee instead of scoring a touchdown when a game is is near finished you you could have the moment of glory but w- when you're playing for the team like that's that's where three game win streaks come from yeah that's where having a shot at the big 10 west eight games in comes from that's where a year one where we would have all been like it's another four win season that's why we get to have this joy and we get to be surprised by this because there's kids out there playing selflessly and they're playing for the greater good of the team. Um, and they're bought into the fact that by doing so, I up my individual value while helping out my team value. Yeah. So Ty Robinson's another guy who had a great uh, a great day. Uh, Princewell Uman Malin had another great day. Uh, Cam Lenhart's name was called. But I think probably outside of Tommy... I think Isaac Gifford needs to be yeah. mentioned as maybe the MVP of the game. That was he the was one at the top of my list. Flying around, playing fun and free, and ma- like made me believe I could be a better man. Like yeah. he was just so good. Well, and he did. He played his position like the way it was intended to be played, right? Like helping and run support with a couple tackles for loss. Like you said, flying around, leading tackler, but also like p- getting picked on a little bit in pass coverage. You know, they tried to mismatch against him and um, and he held his own, you know, flying down deep down the field, um, sticking with his guys. And so, um, yeah, just seeing him doing a little bit of everything this game and, and, and being a leader was good to see. And again, looked like he was just having the time of his life out there. So he was my number one. 
Um, one other thing I wanted to point out, uh, and Rule brought this up again in his presser, there were four of eight um, stopping third downs in the first half. There were one of eight stopping them in the second half, which is a recipe for shutting down a team. So, um, What else goes into that recipe? That's, <laughs> that's it. Oh, okay. That's it. Just don't let them, just stop them. Just get the ball back any way you can. Five sixteenths five of a cups of stopping them on third down. <laughs> they were, I think, and then I think, Purdue, I think, was over three on fourth down too. So, um, yeah, that was that was uh, another fine defensive performance. I mean, that's all you can say. Yeah, um, they continue to show up week in and week out. It's crazy. I'm kind of like you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just waiting for that one game where everybody's just a little bit off or sluggish, or you know, maybe they give up like a big play or two here, get hit early, and you never quite get up off the mat. And we just haven't haven't seen that yet. So. I mean, we have. We we saw that maybe against Michigan. We saw that. Well, Michigan was just straight overpower. Like, Michigan, I don't even, when I say these things, I don't, Michigan doesn't exist. Okay. That game was I would was say the, the second half of Colorado. Yep. We, we saw that a little bit. And I think that we could have seen that in Illinois. But I think that that, that's, that's, that was the turning point, right? That Illinois game was when this team was like, okay, we're, we're just tired of being the other guys. Let's, let's just be who we want to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, backs against the wall early. Yeah. That's three. Was this all three games in a row where they've been, they had the goal line stand with Illinois. They had Harburg's interception on the first play against Northwestern. Yeah. And then they had the fumble. Yeah. On the kickoff here. Yeah. Like backs against the wall, like up against the goal line in three straight games um, to start the fucking game, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, With, again, with everything on the line and everything going the way it is. And yeah, they, they showed up every single time, every single time they got so to stop. So I, I guess I, I, I think that's just who this defense is, and I think that they're choosing to be that. I guess is is my reason for saying that is it's not so much when's the other shoe going to drop. Uh, we were wearing the other shoe when the season started, and now the other shoe is dropped. And I think that that Illinois game is your turning point, hmm. right? Like you had an opportunity against um, La Tech and against uh, Northern Illinois um, to to kind of figure some things out, uh, but still playing against opponents that had a shot at you and had a couple opportunities to maybe swing those games the other way. The defense wasn't exactly where they wanted to be. Uh, still good, but I don't think who they were 100%. And then I think yeah. once Illinois hit, like that was, that, was, that was the light switch. That was the other shoe dropping. So I think that this is who we're going to see on a consistent basis. The question is, do they go up against teams that take advantage when there are turnovers? And do those turnovers continue to happen in positive or negative situation, you know what I mean? Like, right. um, depending on where the turnovers are, do we shorten the field? Do we take away scoring opportunities? I think that was also a big change. Is turnovers maybe didn't happen in this game when Nebraska was about to score? They happened in situations where maybe it was going to be a punt, anyways. Maybe it was going to be a series where we don't succeed, stuff like that. And uh, the defense is still put in a shitty situation, being you know. Uh, yeah, I think Harburg. Both Harburg's fumbles were inside their twenty-five. Yeah, their own. So they yeah short short fields. So for the for the defense to be able to you know keep from scoring, but also Nebraska maybe not losing points in that situation, I think that also helps. Yeah, quite a bit. So last thing to talk about is special teams. Woo! And this is a special teams game. Yeah, it was. We got to we got to start by saying Bushini had a good game. He did. I, I thought Bushini's punting was was what it needed to be, especially with the wind. Yep. Um, Nebraska took advantage of that and and he's he seems to be hitting his stride which I 
think is going to be crucial coming down the stretch, playing the field position game. Yeah, you're going to be playing against teams that like to play that game, that, that lean into it. So Yeah, and so the shorter the field that you've got, or, or the longer the field your opponents have, especially when you're going up against people like the Wisconsin and Iowas who maybe struggle moving the ball, but don't struggle stopping yeah. uh, the moving the movement of the ball. Uh, it's good to see him getting going. Yeah, he averaged uh, a little over 45 per kick. Again, with, with and against the wind, um, two, two landed inside the 20. He had one that he almost pinned inside the five. It just took a fucking straight, Monster I mean, hop. a straight yeah. hard bounce out of the end zone. So, um, you know, that's one I'm sure he would want back to try to kind of finesse that one or spin it a little better, but... Um, but, it, but that might, might also be one of those things where like, you got to try to get your, your punt coverage down there, um, a little quicker too. So, or, you know, he tries to get a little hang time again. I don't know how the wind kind of maybe played into all that, but like I said, he was solid there. Um, the other side of, of punting, um, not having Kemp as our punt returner kind of, you know, reared its ugly head with, with Bullock muffing his, his one attempted return there's got to be a better uh, word for muff? that no who doesn't love to say muff no i know but there's like in that situation like i just wish there was a, a we don't have to dwell on it i'm just saying like who came up with that <laughs> <laughs> who saw that and goes i know exactly what word can, can be used to describe muffed it <laughs> yeah he muffed it and uh quentin newsom was there to luckily to to land on it after it squirted out of the uh purdue like five fucking purdue players couldn't couldn't hold on to it somehow um so that we'll see uh rule rule is gonna i think give ethan nation a shot back there awesome next game so yeah like, like you got four games man yeah use them yep so we'll see how that goes uh we had two fumbles lost one on on returns um we don't need to dwell on that everyone knows those happened yep. we talked about the blocked blocked field goal return for a touchdown Talk about it again it was awesome uh yeah elijah judy had the block um, he was the one that got through Quentin. Big Newsom. old bear paw getting yep. it up there. Yeah. <laughs> Quentin Newsom, uh, he was in the right place, right time because he's taught to be there. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. It wasn't just it wasn't just luck. It, it wasn't like he got a lucky bounce that came to him. Um, you know, there's always some of that involved, but he's he was coached to be the guy. Like if this gets blocked, you need to plant yourself here. You face this way. Be ready for that ball to come to you, and it just happened to to work out that that time. And then Tommy Hill, of course, showed his speed. Uh, <laughs> you know. Sticking with uh, Quentin. He was looking for blockers, didn't find any. You know, and so yeah. he, oh, he, yeah. you know he Tommy like, wanted to lay someone out. He would have loved to block somebody, but he settled for a high five instead. So, <laughs> um, I thought also what was amazing, you know, you, you say that, that Q was in the right place at the right time, which Rule talked about, that that's how he was coached to, to be there and that it's going to be one of his teaching tapes for a long time. It's like yeah. there's a reason, but not only that, to catch it in stride and to not have to break that stride was huge in the separation in that return. Um, you know, in, in a, one of those situations, you might get ran down, uh, but, but to be able to be in the right place, catch it in stride and, and, you know, score a touchdown and the nearest guy is like 10 yards behind you is insane. So. Yeah. That was good to see. The last thing we got to talk about on special teams yeah. is the 55 burger. Whew. Nuked it. Man, dude, that Nuked thing it. was good from 65. Uh, at least. Yeah. I think was insane. 80, 80. That was good from 80. <laughs> And I think well, that was into the wind. He right? had the no. He had the wind. Oh, he had the wind. He had the wind. Okay, let's not get carried away. <laughs> but it, but it still, was still. That was yeah. A monster kick. That thing went through the upright. Went through the pipes. <laughs> and it had. It still had so much leg on it. Yeah, this was the you know, we we talked about. You know, what are they going to do with Alvano after he had those early misses? And 
struggles and that's what they hey the learning experiences man so i i think that the the matt matt rule and the presser saying you just want one more win i want a lot more wins is the exact same reason you keep alvano in right is mm-hmm. i'm not going to put in someone else to just go in and make one more kick i'm i'm not thinking about just today it's it's he's kind of a a, a hypocrite in a sense oh yeah where no, i know where you're going yeah he's so focused on one game at a time but he is so well aware of the long run yeah like he's so he he does such a good job of balancing those two of keeping that he's like you guys worry about being in the moment my job is to worry about you long term yeah that's on me i'm the one that has the eight years here seven years or however long the contract is you guys have four seasons of play maybe five years at the school to become the best version of yourself on the field and off the field that's what you worry about I will worry about the long-term shit. Yeah. And and to kind of take that off the way to the player's shoulders and be like, we're going to ride with you because that's what's best for you. Low-key, it's also what's best for us, but I need you just to focus on what's best for you. Yeah. And when you have a whole team of guys who are bought into doing what's best for them because it's what's best for the team and what's best, like, it just, it it works so well. So I, I think that's that's fascinating, but I think that that's kind of like, that those little things, you know, you, you listen to them in the presser and you're like, this is a little hint into his psyche as a coach, right? Like what he gets to worry about versus the players and, and like where, where he's really at when he, when he was announced and he had his opening presser, he was like, I wouldn't have come here if I didn't believe we had a chance to win a national championship and to win the big 10 and, you know, to do all those things. Uh, And I'm thinking, you know, well, that's, that sounds nice. Okay. That was before the, all the expansion too. Yeah. But Way to be a downer. I was taking it in a different direction. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he's done such a great job of kind of like coming here, recognizing what really needs to be done and reshaping that to where I don't have those expectations at any point. What I have expectation-wise is to go out and win the next one. Like that is my expectation is on November 4th, Nebraska has one goal and that is to win. If they fumble, it doesn't matter. If there's interceptions, it doesn't matter. If they come away with the win, it's a win. And then after that game is is put in a box, I move on to Maryland. And like he's not only reshaping the team psyche, but me as a fan. And it makes things a lot less stressful. Yeah. So I I've I've thought about that too. I think part of what makes this season less stressful for me is I've thought about that too. It's like, okay, how how am I viewing this this season and this team and all that? I'm similar to you. But also, like they're so they're already so far above like what I expected them to be, um, and so much better, especially like defensively and and doing such a great job of just managing on the offensive side. That I th- I think that my pressure is alleviated because they're at they're at five wins already, um, and they've got the win streak going, and they look like they've kind of figured out like how just how to win, like that like. They don't know how to be a great team yet. They're not a great team, but they know they know how to win, you know, these games and, and how they want them to go. And so um, that's where my stress-freeness comes from, if you want to call it that. I want to call it that, so I will. I'll let you call it that. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, but you're right. He's a, he is a, he's got his eye on the big picture. He knows exactly what it looks like, um, but he knows how to operate day to day and, and how to keep other people's eyes down on so it's good to see. It really is, and it's good to see a W uh, against a uh, a Purdue team that I didn't know how things were going to go, 
and uh, it's nice to know that they can adapt in the wind and the cold. It was technically this was an, uh, an upset, I think, according to some betting lines. Really? And yeah, Purdue Purdue was like a one point favorite. That's dumb. I think the money line moved. Yeah, those stupid fucking betters. Yeah. Now we talk about our sponsor, <laughs> DraftKings. No. <laughs> That's not true. We aren't sponsored by DraftKings. <laughs> Maybe we are. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who sponsors us. Um, you know what? My our spouses sponsor us. That's true. So, yep. yeah. Anyways, With let's gracious. Let's let's grab another beer. Let's have a little musical interlude that lasts about ten seconds, and then let's talk about some Michigan State. Awesome. And we're back, so we're going to jump right into the Sportsman Sip. What we like to do here is sample a beer local to the team that we are visiting, and we are going to be heading to East Lansing, Michigan, to take on Michigan State. So we're drinking a beer from there, and that beer happens to be, Drew? We are drinking Stout <laughs> by Triple Root Brewery. It's just, just stout. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, we're drinking a Stout. It's called Stout. It's a Triple Root Brewery. They're out of Zeeland, Michigan. Uh, which is near Holland or Grand Rapids, which is um, directly, if you know your Michigan um, geography, it's directly west of Lansing, right along the shore of Lake Michigan, a little bit northeast of Chicago. Okay. And so if you're driving to, if you're driving to Lansing, you can adjust your route. Um, you go about 20 to 30 miles out of your way. It's not too bad. Not out of your way. It's just adding an extra little bit to your, your travel. Um, you can pass through the, the town of Holland and Zealand. Um, and they actually have a lot of breweries out there, like a ton. I mean, it's Michigan, but, um, New Holland founders are both located out in that area. And so, yeah, so we picked up triple root. Um, again, this is their stout. The description on the stout, it's an American stout. It's 5.1% ABV. It is quote unquote, a classic American stout. Nice. That's it. That's the description I got. Um, but it is. This is this is a, a really great stout. Um, yeah, we both noted just incredibly malty. Yeah, and like malt in the sense of like like you smell like malt that you make a malt shake out of, and it that that's that sort of malt. Um, I think it's I think it kind of like it says American stout. I don't pick up a ton of the hops, but I've also had these. I've held on to this beer for a little longer, um, probably than I should have. As far as How like, cause, I know, right? Where like the hot profile is probably diminished quite a bit. And so like, to me, it's a little bit more like dry, like an Irish stout, um, the way that it drinks now, but it's incredibly delicious. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Irish stout, so I'm not, not complaining. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I enjoy this one too. The, the malt is there. It's got a nice kind of coffee note too. And, and there's a good bitterness that balances this out. I think that one of the things that's overlooked sometimes is, is, um, how the malt can add to kind of that velvety backbone by bringing some of those those sugars forward, and it's a nice, smooth beer. Um, drinks a little bit to me, kind of like on the mouth. The effervescence is kind of like a nice a nice cold cola or something like that, but it has some of those more, like I said, rich coffee notes, uh, some, some really subtle bitterness, which I think might be where the hop is coming into play on this one. Um, and then, yeah, just, just a real easy drinker. And um, I, I, I just learned something in your description. I didn't know Chicago was in Michigan, so that's pretty cool too. I didn't say it was in Michigan. I was just saying lo- located... It's located northeast of Michigan. Okay, thank God, because I was like, I am. I thought Chicago was in Illinois. <laughs> it definitely is in Illinois. Also located though along the uh, coast of Lake Michigan. You know, it's yeah. all it's all right there. Yeah. So if you're again, on, on North Michigan Avenue in Illinois, Michigan, in Chicago, <laughs> Michigan. 
There is a there is a Wyoming, Michigan in that area. Stop. I'm I can't. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Geography like uh, it, geography might be <laughs> like what would would the what would be the worst Jeopardy category for you? Like where you'd just be like, I have no choice because Je- uh, geography for me. Really? I'm oh, so man. bad at geography. I love geography. Do you really? Yeah. If it For me, it would probably be something like um, calculus or like physics. Not very good at physics. Anything that requires like That's understanding fair. like space. I would also not be awareness. good at that. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot on Jeopardy I'm not. I wouldn't be good at, <laughs> I guess, now that I think about it. So like when you get into like European history... When you get into geography, when you get into physics or math, uh, anything general, biology, science. If they ha- if it was just movie cat, like just all movies, yeah, you'd be okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, yeah, that's actually that's, that's all, all I know. That's, that's all I play Jeopardy for. <laughs> actually, there were some nerds on uh, on Jeopardy, and they did like a Hall of Fame question um, where it was like they would list three athletes, and you had to choose, uh, or your, your answer had to be what sport they played. Uh-huh. Um, and they were all hall of famers and like they didn't no, nobody got them right so i'd be yeah. all right with some of those oh there you go yeah that's where you'd sneak in yeah give I, you like two hundred dollars and move i'd be the total bro when it comes to playing <laughs> jeopardy like this guy this guy knows his frat trivia yeah like, he knows sports he knows movies and he knows flip-flops i don't know what bros know oh backwards hats backwards hats popped collars so i was three three layers of popped collars <laughs> In a bunch of different colors from Lacoste. So, Michigan State. <laughs> on uh, November 4th, Nebraska will be traveling up to East Lansing, Michigan to take on the Michigan State Spartans. The kickoff is set for 11 a.m. Central Time, and it is on uh, FS1 yet again. And uh, there is a current spread for this game. Do you want to guess what it is? Um, the one, since I, you since you shit on mm. betters already, <laughs> I looked up I looked up to try to find it ahead of time. Did you? Yeah, it's, it was three and a half, three and a half in favor of Nebraska. The one it that is I found still sitting at three and a half in favor of okay. Nebraska with an over under of thirty eight and a half. So low low scoring, but not too low scoring. I mean that's a that's a barn burner in the Big Ten West. That's true. So did you? I saw saw a tweet and it had the top ten worst scoring offenses in the country. And six of the seven teams in the Big Ten West were in the top ten. <laughs> the only one the who worst, wasn't was yeah. mid, uh, Wisconsin. Yeesh. That makes sense. And well, they just they just but lost. You, but reverse like reverse that and look at like the top like rushing defenses. Yeah, no, the they're also the Big Ten scoring West scoring defenses, and yeah, it's just it's just so funny that like we we have our this garbage pail of a <laughs> of a conference, and it's all ours, and it's the last year, and I'm so sad that it's going to be. It gone. is really sad, but that it's, it's ending. But it's all ending. these teams are like they're morphing into one mega, like one Big Ten West team, like one you know, like the Rat King. Yeah. Of of yeah, college I, football. Ugh. I saw another question that said, "Do you think that a amalgam team of the best players of the Big Ten West could beat Michigan or Ohio State?" Like if you put an all-star team together from the Big Ten West, <laughs> could they beat a Michigan or an, an Ohio State? And buddy, I want to see that. That's that what I. Be... That's who I want to send wow. to to Indy for the for the Big Ten championship. Honestly, like I mean, yes, because the defense alone would be in. It'd be so incredible. good. Oh, it'd be fucking incredible. The question is though, who would be your quarterback? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Like I don't know who would who would be like slinging the ball. Because I think there's great receivers and tight ends in the Big Ten West. 
And you've got great running backs yeah. in the Big Ten West. You could put together an O-line. You could put together a pretty dirty O-line is yeah. what you could do. You just need a game manager. Honestly, probably, you know what I would say? A healthy... Harburg. Ha- oh. <laughs> <laughs> he plays against his own team. What? Harburg? Oh, I thought you said, oh, I was thinking of Harbaugh. No. <laughs> I you said Harbaugh. Oh, that'd be even better. <laughs> I thought you meant Jim Harbaugh <laughs> would try to swoop in. <laughs> He oh would. my god! That son of a bitch! Oh, that man. cheating motherfucker! He would. <laughs> he would do it. He would. He would go against, and he would try and win. He would. He would try to beat his own team. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, I'd take Arberg. I was gonna say. I was gonna be really honest and say a healthy McNamara, but yeah. not because he wouldn't be in Iowa's offense anymore. No, he wouldn't. He'd be. Yeah, he'd be a good game manager. That's true. So. But you'd have to take. If you take Iowa, you got to take Deegan Hill, and. Um, I got thoughts on him, but we'll get to those when we cover Iowa. Okay. So instead, we're we're talking about Michigan State, and uh, I'm going to let you start with okay. wherever you want to start, which is always in the same place. <laughs> with um, Nebraska's offense? Sure. Okay. Here's what here's what Nebraska needs to do to win this game. I'll start with I'll start with the big picture blueprint. Okay. They need to do what Minnesota just did to them to Michigan State this past week, which is they forced the offense to go three and out often. Right, which Nebraska can do because Michigan State's offense is not great. Our defense is. Uh, we wear out their. Wait, 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 wait. Are we? Who are we talking about? Michigan State. Yeah, but their their offense. I'm talking big picture here. Just this is just overall. Said, You're just yeah, talking blueprint. overall. Overall, everything. Blueprint. Okay. How then. we win as a team. Okay, I was confused. I'm good at confusing people. You're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> big picture, Nebraska football team. Yes. How we beat them. Uh, Force three and outs. Wear out their defense by possessing the ball. Limit points given up off of turnovers. Because I'm, I'm not even going to say, like, don't turn it over. Like, just assume we're going to turn it over, uh, but continue to limit, and then you just pull away late. Okay. That's what Minnesota did. I think that is the perfect recipe. I think Nebraska can pull that off. We've already seen them kind of do something similar. So that's what I will say. Um, as far as our offense goes... The thing that interests me the most about this game is that we're going to be a little strength on strength matching up against this defense. Um, Michigan State leans on on stopping the run. They, they're they okay in pass protection. They're not great. They've actually improved from last year in terms of how they defend the ball. Um, but Nebraska's strength, obviously, is in running the ball. Like That's right. where we get all of our yards. Um, we are not a passing team. Um, we take our shots, and I, and I think that those things will be there because Michigan State's going to be an aggressive team. They like to blitz. Um, they like to send guys from all three levels of the defense in order to get, get that pressure. And so I think that Nebraska is going to find their spots where they can attack with the deep ball, especially with these young, speedy receivers. Um, but again, I, yeah, this will be a strength on strength. So, so um, I, I have something similar on that. You know, you're talking about their pass rush and. Um, how they like to shut down the run. I, I have something that builds on that, which is I think this is going to be a key game where Nebraska's offense needs to get players out in space. This would be a good dink and dunk game if Nebraska wanted to to try that sort of thing out. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of screen game, I think, if any, being run by Nebraska. We saw them do it. They did it a little bit late in this yeah. game against Purdue where they did start to try to pull that off. So if, if that's a building block going into this week, I think it's one where if you can get out on the edge and, and in space uh, fleeks would be a good guy for something like that. Yep. Um, same thing like pitching the ball out to grant, giving them space to work along the edge um, and, and use their speed as an advantage because I think Michigan state can be effective in the pass rush, but they, they are when they're, they're bringing extra guys. I, I don't really care 
for just their standard kind of pass rushing that hasn't been the greatest for them this year. The, the thing about Michigan State's defense and their offense, to that credit, is there's talent abound on this team. Michigan State is a very well-recruited place. They're just not playing up to their ability. Um, and, and I think part of that is, is a coaching situation, and I, and I think part of that, too, might be they're already six losses into the season, and they may not feel like there's a whole lot left to play for. Um, but when it comes to these kind of games, guys tend to find pride who need to find it. Uh, and and the guys who don't play with it tend to not be on the field. So um, that's that's where I would start. That's my big picture. Plus my little thing is let's get out in space. Let's see if we can get away maybe from the interior of that line and, and slow down uh, that pass rush and the blitz uh, coming from Michigan State and try and get the ball into the hands of our playmakers out with plenty of room to go to work. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, that is that is you know like your standard way of, of countering any sort of blitzing defenses to go with those. Um, little tunnel screens and stuff like that. Um, I could definitely see him going after that, playing that. Um, like I said, they are very talented. They got Simeon Barrow there along their line. He's kind of the star of their defense. Um, Mangum and Groves were the two that stood out uh, for me in their secondary. Those are guys who have a little bit of ball hawk tendency, four interceptions between the two of them. Um, so I do think that while we have guys who can do some work, because Michigan State does have talent, when the balls are there to be taken away, they're gonna they're gonna take them. And with this Nebraska offense being turnover prone, this is one of those situations where, like you said, you know, anticipate the turnovers, but you know, limit the bleeding. Yeah, right. They're gonna happen. They're gonna come, and that's part of the learning and the growing process. What I would say though is is try and limit the 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 dumb turnovers, right? The the kickoff fumbles and securing the ball just at the line of scrimmage and stuff like like if those can be gone and it's and it's big plays and, and guys having to go out there and like make magic happen I can live with those kind of turnovers it's the ones where you know the pass isn't where it should be we're making the wrong read we're not prepared with the right play at the line of scrimmage and, and an accident happens like that's where I'm I'm frustrated with turnovers and, and I don't want to accept those Right. The, the other ones if you're taking a big shot and you're and you're trying and a guy makes an athletic play it's like well that's the game um, and that's, I think, what Rule probably wants, too, is like, don't let that stop you from trying to make the play when the play is there. Uh, just execute better. Yeah. So um, the other thing I noticed when I was watching uh, Michigan State play, and, and correct me if you feel like this is wrong, but I feel like their defense is kind of sloppy. I don't think that they have been great at tackling. They don't seem to have an urgency when it comes to their tackling. And a lot of teams um, have have found success. They just seem to be playing undisciplined. There's a lot of frustrating penalties that this Michigan State team pulls off. Um, like in that Iowa game when they had a chance to upset Iowa, it was the sloppy tackling and kind of the undisciplined play that let Iowa get away with that game Yeah, when seen, they really shouldn't have. Yeah, you've seen that that bleed through the entire team, like into special teams and everything where, uh, yeah, penalties and turnovers and sloppy play and just, you know, Bonehead mistakes, things that shouldn't happen, um, are are causing meltdowns. Like they they remind me a little bit of Nebraska. From, I didn't want to be the one to yeah, say no, it. Yeah, no, it's true. You're you're right on it. In the in the way that they've let games go and the way that they perform, um, you know they, I guess you could say they have an excuse in that. Yeah, they're they're operating under an interim head coach under um, not the best circumstances. They you know play a very very difficult schedule um this year um so you know things 
I guess you could say from the, the outside looking in, there's those are things that you can kind of forgive um, or understand at least and kind of write off. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hope for, for, for Nebraska's sake, I hope that those things kind of continue into this game. Um, like you said, this is a very talented group, and they, they don't have, you know, a bowl game online. Technically, they do. They, they went out and they're in a bowl game, but, you know, they, they've got to win out against, you know, top 10 teams. So um, it's unlikely. Like, they're, they're at this point, they're playing for pride. Um, they're guys that are playing for if they, if they like these coaches, if they want to keep this, if they want to keep their interim around. Um, Barnett, I think his name is, I can't remember his name. He's, he's been with them for a while. Um, if they want to keep him around, um, you know, they're playing for him. They're playing for their, for their, you know, home field. This is their last true home game of the season. Um, and so, you know, from a defensive perspective, I think that that kind of plays into their hands because you can, you can play a little loose, you can play lights out, um, fly around and just, you know, cause chaos that's what they want to do right yeah. and and they're they're playing against a team in nebraska who they know is turnover prone mm-hmm. they know that they don't have to make the exceptional play um in order to you know knock a ball out or put the helmet on the ball to get it out um they, they just got to cause a, enough chaos to maybe you know force that mistake from nebraska and so I, I would feel like as, as a defender that that would maybe give me a little extra juice too just knowing that like all i've got to do is just you know be get present up, be, yeah. yeah be there and uh and you know and i can and i can swing this game in a big way and so again just for nebraska it's going to be coming down to um playing smart uh you know you know holding on to the ball as best you can i think emmett johnson has shown that he's a guy that can be relied on i know he's had a fumble or two here or there but um harburg will continue to be harburg um and 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 you just got to wait for this defense to, I think, over pursue or send one too many guys um, to take advantage, or like you said, you know, scheme scheme them so that you kind of push push the pressure off by yeah. by throwing those screens and, and making them adjust. Yeah, I I think like I mentioned earlier, I think that's one way to attack this team. the The other way I think is to just destroy their will, and I don't know a, a, a nicer way to put that, but just be physical right out of the gate. And just put them in a situation where they just don't want to anymore, where they just don't like what what it, what are what is there to prove when you're in kind of a transition year as this Michigan State team is, you know, losing a head coach um, the way they did, and and their program is going to clearly need to have some internal changes uh, because that's how things tend to go, right? Uh, your administration is going to react and they're going to counter and they're going to hire the opposite of the last guy they had because they don't want the same mistakes uh, to happen there, which. Um, you know, rightfully so. That was a very loud bang above our heads, <laughs> and I'm sure my children are fine. I'm kind of concerned for my wife's That's well-being, right. but I think yeah. she's okay. <laughs> I'm not hearing any screaming. Um, when we hear sirens, we'll <laughs> then we'll go. We'll yeah, back. yeah. So, um, so I I wouldn't also be surprised if Nebraska comes out and just has the plan to just be physical, right? Um, that's something we've seen from these wide receivers a lot is incredibly physical in the run game with their with their run blocking. Um, we've got a quarterback who does not, like you said, he does not shy away from contact. So if he runs towards it uh, again in this game, um, and if this offensive line now with a, a game under their belt as a unit, they, you know, maybe they, they play another step, uh, forward. They, they improve by one more game and, and, uh, and take the physicality to Michigan state's defense, 
um, and and force Michigan State to have to play a game that probably isn't all that fun. Yeah, well, and that's and the nice thing is that like that's Nebraska's choice in yeah. the, in this situation is is how they want to come out as an offense and how they want to assert themselves. Um, you know whether they want to be put back on their heels trying to you know stop things or if they want to force themselves forward and be the attacking type offense, um, which is you know yeah having seen this offense and and the output um you kind of like you know like i don't know if they can come out and attack you know you wouldn't describe as an attacking offense i don't think under the best of conditions but um but they do like they have that choice like that's always on the table is like how do you want to approach this game and how yeah how do you want to force your will upon this other team and you're looking at a michigan state team that again like they're in this kind of a similar boat and like they have to choose how do you know what do i want what do i want to play for today you know like what am i really fighting for and so they're either going to have it or they're not um whereas nebraska nebraska does like nebraska has everything on the table right now sure um and so but again the choice is there so yeah i mean i think we'll know pretty early on um what kind of a fight we're going to be in what do you what do you think happens if nebraska gets off to a good start like if there's just not not a, there's not adversity right out of the gate. Like, I hope I, I mean I I hope there's not I hope there's not in the sense that like that would be great. Like I hope that they can just kind of like cut through them like butter and they, and then Michigan. I don't think it's not going to happen. I don't no. believe that. Um, but I mean, but if a, it does, like at that point, that's where it's like okay, we we have been um in these situations where like all oh, year you know Satterfield's being aggressive on certain where you're like why aren't you just running the ball? Yeah. He's being aggressive. It's like, well, maybe in this situation now, like let's say we're up, um, you know, down 14 to nothing early again, uh, and they don't want to take their foot off the pedal. They want to keep pushing it, and they want to keep building that lead. Um, they start throwing it, and, it's, and, but they, and, and Nebraska starts throwing it, and they've been in that position before, and they feel comfortable with, you know, taking a shot to even, you know, make it 21 nothing or to, to, like, further diminish the will of this other team. I want, that's what I want. That's yeah. what I hope would happen. And I think that we've seen Nebraska's coaching staff, um, you know, speak that, but also like follow it through with the way that they've called some plays and the way that they've done some things in game. So um, that's what I want. And I think that would be another, um, just another learning opportunity for like for us as fans, like to better understand who this team is and what they're made of. Um, and a good, good opportunity for this team to, to learn something about themselves. Um you're you're up early on a team that's got nothing to really play for in terms of a postseason. You've got your sixth win on the line, and and you jump out to that early start, and everything's looking good. Are you like are you going to rest on your laurels in that situation, or are you going to continue to play like you know this this team that you've been all year, which is um, you know a, a a scrappy team that's coming in with seven losing seasons and um. You know, yeah, if you understand what I'm saying, I do. I'm not going to keep going. I don't think there's (laughs) I don't think there's a game in the next three years where Nebraska should ever take their foot off the gas. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. until you prove something that hasn't really been proven, you know, your foot should always be on the gas. And and I just think I, I think we would learn a lot about this team if they come out without adversity in their first drive, if they have a clean possession or if the defense gets a quick three and out and the offense is on the field with decent field position at like the 30 or the 35 and move it down and kick a field goal, like just start the game that way. Like a three Oh start to the game with, you know, five minutes left in the first quarter. Cool. Like give me that. Um, and, and let this team kind of 
uh, attack in that sense. When I said, you know, you go out and attack and be aggressive, I don't think it has to necessarily be like an Ohio State attack where we're throwing the ball all around the yard and like nothing is stoppable. I just mean we're going to go hit heavy, right? They're going to feel our weight. They're going to feel our force. They're going to feel our push. Like go out there and assert yourself and attack in that way and let them, let Michigan State decide if they want to deal with that all day or not. Yeah. You know, that's that to me is what I'd love to see is is come out with with an attitude and an anger and go take what you want, which is something Rule's been saying this whole time. There's a couple of ways to go about it. And I think if you start off the game, you know, throwing the the haymakers in the run game and you're saying you feel feel what we're bringing to the table and then you can start to open the game up with, okay, now if Michigan State's going to start swinging back, we're just going to dodge them. We're going to throw it out. We're going to start spreading the ball around, getting guys in space. We're not worried about playing that game anymore. And then when they've exhausted that, like you said, tire this defense out, you come back with the body blows. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a real key way to go about winning this game and winning this matchup that has been built up throughout this season. We've seen the pieces. Now it'd be nice to see a game where they all come together. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So Michigan State's offense. Um, <laughs> you're rubbing your hands like you're excited to talk about. I, I, I'm, I, I am excited to talk about it. Okay. And the reason I'm excited, I wasn't excited to talk about it before this Purdue game. I am excited to talk about it now because I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Michigan State's offense uh, led by Noah Kim at quarterback and the way that Hudson Card leads Purdue's. Um, they've got a similar strength arm. I think that their decision-making quality is similar. Um, I think that they have the school, the, the tools and the skill set to get the job done. Um, I'm just not sure if I think Hudson card might be the better version of Noah Kim. Um, but Noah Kim will have three, four, sometimes two series a game where he's, he's on. Yeah. And he can, he, he can take advantage. Is he, I know he's, he's been injured. Is he? Yeah. Oh I don't man. Know. He, I don't I did know all my homework on. Oh Noah no. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Let me teach you about their backups. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he so he's injured. He's not like out for the year though. Like they haven't declared him out for the year. So he He got injured yesterday? Or two No, he's missed the past couple games. Oh he, my gosh, missed, this is embarrassing. It's okay. I did all this homework it's, on <laughs> on watching Noah but Kim film. Fi- when did he, he get injured? He got injured before the Michigan game. They haven't played Michigan, have they? Yeah. Have they Oh my god. They lost forty nine to zero. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. At home. Is their worst home loss ever. Okay. It's yet. easy to if I bet they wish they could forget. It's their that. worst home loss <laughs> yet. <laughs> what I like if, your optimist? What if oh what if God. the score is fifty six nothing? I would take it. Please. Oh, would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I um, asked for more. But no, yeah, so Kim Kim is, is injured oh, in, in, like an idiot. It's okay. It's okay. They've got um they've got a backup in, in Kat, I think his name's Katten or Katen Hauser, um, who has not been good. Um, he is a he is a he's a turnover machine as well. He but his is in the arm department, so he throws a lot of interceptions, just unforced. Um, oh, so he's, he's like Kim. He's <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> he he was the guy that they thought maybe could spark this offense because even under Kim, like they were not uh, doing incredibly well. They weren't like lighting things up. And uh, and again, yeah, he he just a ton of unforced errors. He he wasn't seeing the defense as well. Um, and so, but, it, but again, it was kind of hard to judge cause he'd going up against like Michigan. And then I think against Minnesota, um, they've got another freshman quarterback, a true freshman in Sam Levitt, 
who um, a lot more limited in his playing time. He came in late in the past couple of games to to spell Hauser. He's shown a little bit more promise. Um, he's he's also thrown a couple interceptions, but I think they've been a little more fluky. And uh, he adds an element that neither of these guys add to the game, which is that he has a lot of running ability. And so, to me, like the question at quarterback is, like, yeah, if Kim comes back, I don't know if I don't know if I would assume that Kim would be their starter if he was healthy again, because Hauser's not been it, and Levitt's a true freshman um, who's only been it on a few drives, who still has a red shirt to keep with a long way to go. You know, we have four games left in the season. He's already played in a few, so I don't know if they would want to burn that. But if it's Levitt then Nebraska has to account for a quarterback run game that they would not have otherwise been planning on. Something tells me that Nebraska's defense might be prepared to handle a quarterback run game. Yeah. Just there's <laughs> something they've seen it. I think I think they know about it. The, in well, practice, you know, or tell me tell me Nate Carter's still he's not injured too. He's is, he is still there. Okay. Jalen Berger is injured if you yeah, Okay. Yeah, Berger's because out. I like Nate Carter, uh watching him on tape. Uh, he's a UConn kid. He's big. He came in from EJ Barthel. He, well, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I like that he big, tall type running back, big stride. He hits uh, his cut and he goes. He's really good on the edge. Um, I think he's going to be a physical challenge. Um, he might be one of the better running backs that Nebraska has seen. Uh, there haven't been a lot of headline running backs that Nebraska has gone against uh, on this run to other, other than, you know, Blake Corum. Um on this on this quest through the Big Ten West, but the 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 challenge that uh, that Nate Carter brings to the table, I think, is going to be something significant. So I'm looking forward to seeing Nebraska's defense have to go against a running back that is physical and and you know will lay punishing hits on you just like he is going to get from Nebraska. Oh yeah. So I I, I do um, want to see how they hold the edge there, keep him from getting upfield. And, and making moves, but he's not some guy that's going to cut you up once he gets upfield. He's he's going to get downhill and, and go. Yeah, yeah. He he's going to be probably hands down like their best offensive weapon, uh, maybe their best player on their entire team. Um, his biggest hang up is that he just doesn't have a line in front of him that's going to help him out, and he doesn't have a passing game to I think keep Nebraska honest. Um, he's a his success, a lot of it came early on against weaker opponents. Since since conference play has hit, he you know you've seen his numbers dwindle a little bit, um, but he's still got a, an average over four yards a carry. He's over six hundred yards on the year, um, so he and he he can do damage. You're you're correct, um, but I think Michigan State is going to be so one dimensional, um, and I think Nebraska has bodies up front. That, that can handle a running back like this. I think that they've got shut down a shutdown secondary where they're going to feel comfortable, um, you know, matching up in man or one-on-one with, with the receivers outside. So, it, yeah, this just this feels like a great test that I think Nebraska is more than prepared for. That's awesome to hear. Um, in the passing game, a couple of guys that stood out to me were Foster and Mosley. Uh, let's Are they injured too? <laughs> no, no. They've got so... They've got all their their top receivers, including Foster and Mosley. Um, Malik Carr did miss the last game against Minnesota, um, but I think he he should or might be back for this one. Well, who's to say? So, but I, I, who is to Nobody say? Nobody knows. Know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Man, I I like 
all the, all this text. Oh, that's a big chunk. Like that was Ooh. on Kim. Like I did. That's a chunky lab wedge of text. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so ready to talk about Noah Kim. You want it still? No. Okay. Uh, uh Kim. Just in <laughs> Look, if he's back, I think he's an interesting quarterback to watch out for. He's very streaky, like I said, not just game to game, but series to series. Um, he's got a big arm. He's forced to throw under pressure. You mentioned their offensive line. That offensive line is tough. So I could see how a running quarterback would be kind of a helpful dimension for them to add in. Um, the fact that he's a true freshman is fine. Adrian, you know, looked good. Uh, Adrian Martinez, when he was a true freshman, um, without an offensive you mean line. Taylor to run. Martinez? Please don't confuse me. <laughs> they both played this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm so lost. Do you remember him so, against K State? Oh man, against Washington Stop. on the road. Whew. Stop. I'm so I'm Sorry. so lost <laughs> and confused. Um, cross-eyed man. Yeah, it really is. Um, so this this offensive line that we talked about, they are susceptible to pressure. They do not do well in picking up the blitz. Um, their offense was able to find their rhythm against Iowa, which I think was actually. Uh, Michigan State's all-around best performance as a, as a team. Uh, and the reason they were able to do that is because Iowa doesn't really blitz. They're not a blitz-heavy team. They're going to bring you know their four guys and hope that they get home, and typically they do. But because Michigan State didn't find themselves under pressure a whole lot from Iowa, their offense was able to click a little bit more um, than they have in games past. But otherwise, when when pressure is brought, it's it's been difficult. And um, I haven't really paid attention to these other two fucking quarterbacks <laughs> so but they, i like like you know they're they're honestly they are all the same in terms of how they operate under pressure the throws that they make their streakiness their, oh, their so turning. they're like kim but yeah except for levitt again adds that run ability That's they, the only difference what, what kim does is he's he's more comfortable on the rollout because he doesn't have a line behind him or in front of him to to protect him so he rolls out quite a bit but if if these guys are anything like him which I hope they are so that this translates. <laughs> he's very confident uh, in his ability to throw the ball, and that's what leads to turnovers. Is, is he's, he's not like a Hudson card who will throw it away and then you know live to fight another down. He's a guy who will try and force the ball into those situations uh, and try and do too much. So um, that's, that's what I scouted on the guy who's not playing. On <laughs> <laughs> who's probably not playing. I don't know what his status okay. is now. Well, what I had for my overall note was I want I want to see Nebraska win off the edge to shut down both the running game uh, and any of the quarterback bootleg rollout passing outlets. Don't let these guys get into a rhythm uh, because they do have talent in their in their receiving core um, and try and force a couple of turnovers along the way. Which, from the sounds of it, they're going to be there, just like Michigan State's defense is probably also feeling the same way. Yep. Cool. Anything else on their offense? Nope. Special teams. Is Jonathan Kim playing? <laughs> Their field goal is he a field goal kicker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, got a he's, he's got good. a leg. Yeah, he's good. Got a long on the season of fifty eight yards. Yeah. Um, Alvano's would have been good from like we said ninety, but so you know our kicker, I, our kickers, our kicker's I take our kicker one hundred percent. Um, but yeah, they do have a field goal kicker. But you mentioned something about the, their special teams play. It is so fucking bad. It has been it has been atrocious. Cool in games, um, Iowa was one of them where they had some struggles and they ended up blowing um, a fourth quarter lead. And Didn't know where that sentence was going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they pulled a Mickey Mantle below the bleachers. <laughs> that's, um, a good, that's a good woo. joke. That's, uh, a, that's a good one. Golly, if you don't know about Mickey Mantle below the bleachers, Google that shit. That's a fucking hilarious. I think they can probably context clue everything. 
that you said. <laughs> I know, but like the everything that he put in that little note was yeah. so much better. Anyway, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, my I think my children listen to this. Um, they so they against Rutgers. They had an 18 point lead in the fourth quarter against Rutgers, and they absolutely fucking melted down. And it a lot of it came on special teams where, um, they. They punted the ball, but they were in a legal formation, so that punt got brought back. And the next attempt was blocked, or no, not blocked. It was a fumbled, um, a muffed <laughs> fumble, a muffed snap uh, by their punter, which resulted in a touchdown. Rutgers scored a touchdown on their ensuing drive, and then they recovered the ensuing kickoff because the the guy from Michigan State didn't recover the ball. He didn't signal. I saw that. Kick. Yeah, yeah. He just he just missed it, and so they came down. It was. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was 21 points, just boom, 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 but two touchdowns off of, well, two touchdowns off of three miscues on, on special teams and just, just a fucking nightmare for them. And so, um, they, but that's, that's just, I mean, that's the worst. I think it's kind of like, I think where everything kind of came to a head, like a pinnacle. Um, but they've been dealing with sorts of like miscues like that all season. And so, yeah, their special teams is a, just a, it's a mess. And so nice. if we can seal we can steal a possession if we can steal you know i don't know 40 yards of field position or you know if we're really lucky a, a score um in the special teams department that is going to go a very long way in helping us win the game i would have thought that was far fetched but you know seeing is believing now and seeing nebraska know you know be in position and practicing for those types of things um you know it can happen it's it's more than possible yeah one one more thing I want to note, and this is this is sort of special teams, sort of their offense, sort of their defense all around. Um, for opponent scoring for Michigan State, like they've so they've allowed twenty seven touchdowns total on the season as a team. They've allowed twenty seven. Okay. Twelve of those touchdowns followed a turnover from their offense or their special teams, or was a direct like touchdown from a turnover. If that makes sense, like a fumbled snap. Yeah. So. So. Almost, almost half. So what you're saying is they don't respond well to adversity. No, they no. put their and they they put themselves in horrible positions often. Man, we are talking this up. I so, really hope. I'm just saying it's all it's all out there. Like it, it, it is it is there for the taking. Yeah, for sure. I mean this. I think I think a lot of people looked at this four game stretch starting with after the Illinois win, seeing Illinois. Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, and the way that those teams were shaping up for the year, and they said this is the most gettable four-game stretch. And um, I almost just made a the social network reference, but I'm going to refrain from doing it. No, I'm not. Now that I've now that I've teased yeah. it, okay. So in the very beginning of that movie, Mark Zuckerberg's character is sitting across from his girlfriend, and after eight minutes, they wind up breaking up. But Took eight minutes. It's an eight-minute scene. Jesus yeah. Christ! It was That's a, why I don't watch movies. Have you seen that movie? Just break up with her, man. No, she breaks up with him. Oh, just break. Well, that was a bad decision for her. <laughs> She's not a real person financially. No, I get it. Okay, I get it. Um, probably the right call in terms of like having a happy life, though. Yeah. No, she the, made a good choice. Oh my gosh, you're making me like want to go in all these different directions, right. but I've got to stay on track, <laughs> yeah. right? So in this opening conversation, he talks about wanting to, to, to join these final clubs at, at Harvard, which is like the Priscillian, the Skull and Crossbones. Like you've heard of these these famous clubs that a bunch of like... Not smart enough for okay. that. So there are these clubs at Harvard <laughs> and at these okay. Ivy League schools that are kind of like fraternities, but they're they're even more difficult to get into. You have to be invited into them, and it's they're like secret society sort of situations where a lot of high-powered people are members of these clubs and are former members or not former because you're always in them or whatever, but 
So he just wants to be in these clubs. Right? Okay. I've completely forgot. Oh, here's my point. <laughs> and she asks him, she asks Mark, which one's the easiest to get into? And he responds with, why did you ask me which one's the easiest to get into? Because it's the one you think that I have the best chance of getting into. Uh, and, and she's like, well, it's the one that everyone has the best chance of getting into. And then he says, you, you think it's, I need to get into the easy one because I'm not capable of getting into the hard one. He goes, but that's the point. They're all hard. Like they're all difficult. And so like, we look at this as the best four four game stretch, but after what Matt rule said in the presser, it's like it, they're all hard. Like winning is hard. None of these are easy wins. And so we, as fans can look at it and go, that's an, it's an easy matchup for us. Uh, but, but they're all hard. Yeah. They're all difficult, and that's the point. That's why the game is played. Is so because did he get into one of these secret societies? He does not. No, but that... that I'm sorry. My mind is crying <laughs> right now. I, I, I can't get into talking about the social network. Otherwise, we're going to be here for far too long. Um, well, yeah, if it took her eight minutes to break up with him, I can't even fucking imagine how much you can extrapolate. She didn't go into the scene anticipating breaking up with him, but he was just so awful to her in an eight minute conversation that she was like, I'm breaking up with you. Oh, I see. So well, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. She chose her heart yeah. over billions. He's literally <laughs> the youngest billionaire in the history of the world who couldn't get into a secret club at Harvard. Yeah. And it was a driving force behind his character in the movie, but I don't think it was a driving force behind. I can't imagine movie. that's real life. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So anyways, do you want to do your prediction? <laughs> yeah. First? I'll do mine first. Cause okay. Okay. Because okay. Well, no, I was going to say because I did it like very last second. And so I put no work. In I this. wrote the last pen strike uh-huh. stroke with my pen as you walked up to my front door. So, oh, shit. Okay. Well, then I wasn't that bad. Okay. Michigan State prediction. Turnovers, injuries, backup to the backup to the backup starters across the board. Special teams, gaffes, penalties galore. True freshmen everywhere you look one team in the midst of its longest win streak and playing for bowl eligibility for the first time since 2016, and another playing its final true home game of the year in the midst of its longest streak, losing streak since 2016, trying to avoid just its second-ever 0-6 start in Big Ten play since joining in 1953. Nothing about any of that says predictable. But Michigan State has at times looked a lot like Nebraska circa 2022, and that does not bode well for Sparty. I'll take the 2023 version of Nebraska to exercise some demons in their first game after Halloween this year. Nebraska 26, Michigan State 9. Ooh, we are very close in score prediction. Nice. I like that. I picked seven field goals in my prediction, by the way. <laughs> so do you, is, that, is that how you do There's math, no, too? Yep, like, yep. yep. There's no missed uh, extra PATs in that. It is That is... I think it'll be, I think it'll be uh, again just some weird sloppy floppy game, with yep, <laughs> with That's a lot a of word. lot sloppy floppy muffs and, um and a lot of yeah short fields but like tough yards, and and I think teams both teams will take some points early when they can get them, um and maybe late when they can get them too to to distance themselves. Nice, so, yeah. Dear Nebraska football. <laughs> Wait, let me light a candle. <laughs> My wife said, albeit in passing and, and half-heartedly, that I could go to the bowl game should Nebraska qualify. While I, like Matt Rule, would prefer more than one more win, it would mean a lot to me if you went 1-0 this week. Like a lot. A lot. I don't care if I'm road tripping to Detroit, Nashville, Phoenix, or Yankee Stadium. 
Go get it done. Nebraska 25, Michigan State 13. Ooh, we were close. We were very close. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like to do the math of like, okay, I think they're going to get three touchdowns and two field goals, but something fucky's going to go on on the PAT or something like that. So you like, yeah, subtract one or two here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 if I write a score down, I'm like, well, how do we get there? Like, how does that, how does that show up? Yeah. Um, Michigan State feels like a touchdown and two field goal game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to move the ball. I don't think they're going to have an issue there. And I think a fluky thing can happen like uh, the way that Purdue scored with Dixon Veal. So good. Um, <laughs> I think that that sort of thing can happen. But I think a 25-13 game is going to look, it's not going to feel that close if things go the, the way that we anticipate them going. Yeah. So. Okay. I, be, I believe in our guys. I'll take it. I'm, I am learning to love ugly wins. Embrace the chaos, baby. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not. No, I don't embrace the chaos. No, that's embrace. Not what I said. Embrace. <laughs> that's what it's all about. That's why this uh, is so fun. No, the winning is fun. Win- coming out with a win is what's fun. No, no. Yes, but all of that pent up, chaotic, uh, like energy that you have to be released with a win, like it wouldn't mean as much if it was just happening. I mean, it'd be great if it would just happen. If it, if it was a four, if it was a fifty-six to nothing, like you said, that would be wonderful. I would love that. Whatever fucking energy that is, <laughs> anti-chaotic. No, that's just being dumb. Like that's not gonna happen. Bah, bah, what if it did? Oh, it'd oh, be so no. great. To, yeah, see, it would be great. It would be you because see, all about it would be great because the road to like the six wins and like for that to be the sixth win where you're just coasting and everything's going right. Like that's honestly the Purdue game kind of felt like everything but the offense. Everything was just going right. Yeah, and that's why, it, like the defense well, and special well, teams, and the, you know, fumbled kick return to start. start okay, the, don't you, if just, you just ignore that one? Yeah, <laughs> the, the very if you just first if you thing. just take out all the mistakes, <laughs> everything felt pretty damn good. Uh, all right, okay, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local drinks wherever you are. You can find more information on the drinks featured in today's episode by checking out the show notes. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Thank you again for listening. Join us next week as we revisit the Michigan State 56 to nothing beatdown. Oh. Preview Maryland and sample another Nebraska craft beverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.